When they're ready, they'll let us know. Very simple. Ready to do whatever. Doesn't make any difference. Whatever they want to do, I'm ready. That's the president talking about Iran. And we said to ourselves, we said, we need to talk to somebody who knows a lot about that part of the world, about what could be going on with us in Iran. Indeed. A lot of strong statements, a lot of talking heads who don't have half an idea what they're talking about. And then you have Ambassador Faisal al-Istrabadi, who is the former Iraq ambassador to the U.N., one of the authors of that country's constitution and director for the center of something behind Sean's head. Thank you. The study of the <laughs> Middle East at Indiana University. Uh, my apologies, Ambassador Alice Trabati. How are you, sir? I'm very well, thank you. Delighted to be with you again. Thank you. It's been too long. So why don't we begin with uh, Iran and their, their recent actions, their motivations. Uh, what's their game? What are their goals? Well, uh, I think that a couple of things. One, uh, as is always the case, uh, regime survival is the number one priority. And uh, there are people in the U.S. administration that have given conflicting signals about that. John Bolton, the national security advisor, very famously wants regime change in Iran. Now, it's interesting because the president has said that he is not interested in regime change. He only wants uh, he only wants um, to ensure that Iran doesn't uh, obtain a nuclear weapon. Now, the problem with that is that the United States is actually transferring nuclear technology to Saudi Arabia as we speak. Um, and so Iran will be looking back across the Gulf and saying, uh, uh, this doesn't look good for us. In the meantime, they were um, actually complying with the terms of the so-called Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, which is what the president calls a nuclear deal. And they, there is zero evidence that they were not in compliance with those terms. It's the United States which went out of compliance and withdrew unilaterally, couldn't even bring the uh, European allies aboard. And so the Iranians are looking at this and saying, what's our incentive for negotiating? We negotiated, we came to an agreement, we abided by an agreement, um, and the other side violated it. So what assurances do we have that if we negotiate again, we won't be in the same position a year, two years, three years down the road? Um, it's... Um, it's one thing to renegotiate. It's another to withdraw and reinstitute sanctions without a justification under the original agreement, at least, um, and then expect the other side to negotiate again. It's, it's a very tricky situation the president has put the U.S. in, um, and the Iranians aren't playing his game. Well, maybe that was the problem with the agreement. I was watching Senator Marco Rubio make the point yesterday that while they were in, a, in a compliance with the agreement, as you just said, with the specifics that we discussed, they were not in compliance with the spirit of the uh, uh, agreement and that they were continuing to be the world's number one exporter of terror and be involved in a bunch of things that we don't like. So how do, you, how do we deal with that? Well, you, the, you, you deal with that as such. You don't – that may – first of all, there's no such thing as spirit of an agreement. There's, a, there's an agreement and there are terms of an agreement, and Senator Rubio knows that. Um, you know, uh, you would be hard if, – if you had made every payment on your, on your mortgage on time and in the proper amount – um, you would feel mightily put upon if your mortgage company foreclosed on your house because it felt you were not in compliance with the spirit of the mortgage agreement. Uh, there, there are terms of a mortgage agreement, and if you either comply or you don't. 
this is an international agreement that is sanctioned by um, uh, six countries, seven if you include Iran, but five, uh, some of America's closest allies and the United Nations Security Council on which the United States sits, where it, along with four other powers, has a veto. You have never had a, a guest on your show more critical of the Iranian government and of its actions in the Middle East than I. There may be others who hold it in the same low regard, the government of Iran, as I do, but you've never had one that has it, holds it in lower regard than I do. Um, but this isn't a game of monopoly. This this is, you know, playing at, at the highest level in the international community, and there's ways of doing things. And what the president did in unilaterally withdrawing us generally is not it, particularly because I can't tell what the strategy behind the United States actions is. I know what the steps they're taking are, but sanctions are not a policy. What's the policy? Right. Well, I happen to agree with the president's uh, point of view on the uh, the previous agreement, but uh, walking away from it is an enormous gamble. Um, By the way, Donald Trump, candidate Donald Trump, agreed with that. Yeah. Look, Jim Mattis, General Mattis, a former Secretary of Defense, was against the agreement. He he was out of government at the time, of course, and he thought the agreement that the Obama administration entered into was was a mistake. But he also thought withdraw and testified in Congress when he was still Secretary of Defense that it was a it would be a strategic mistake for the United States to withdraw, and the pro and and Trump said that as well. Well, what he said he said it differently when he was a candidate. Uh, what he said was it's an international agreement. It involves our allies, and you can't just walk away from an international agreement. He's right about that. But if you do walk away, um, you would have thought you would do it in a way that would bring the allies on board so there would be international support. Other than Israel, Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, and the United Arab Emirates, the United States has no support for what, for what it did in walking away from the agreement, and therefore no way – you know, the United States may be the sort of 800-pound gorilla in international affairs – uh, but as, as Vietnam proved, I think, two generations ago or a generation ago, um, the United States still can't do it alone. It's, it's not strong enough to take on the entire world. Um, it needs allies to get its strategic objection, uh, objectives, sorry, its strategic objectives accomplished. And here, I don't even think we know what those objectives are. How about we start at the, uh, at the, well, at the top of this discussion, which would be, uh, Iran getting a nuclear weapon is that something we should you hold them in low in low regard is that something we should just not allow no matter what the price is to pay we just cannot let Iran have a nuclear weapon well believe me as someone as you know in your introduction you pointed out I was an ambassador from Iran's uh, from the country that shares a thousand mile border with Iran I am uh, the last one that wants to see Iran with a, with a nuclear weapon but to to get us to that state. It would help if the United States weren't transferring nuclear arms technology to Saudi Arabia, Iran's chief rival in the region. And and we're also transferring nuclear technology. The United States is transferring technology to the United Arab Emirates as well. Um, Another rival, although a much relatively minor rival compared to Saudi Arabia. Quick question about that. uh, Forgive me for interjecting, but is the the hatred, the fear between Iran and Saudi Arabia primarily theological, 
or no, the political Sunni uh, Shia. No. It, so it's it's just your it's good political. old fashioned. Yeah, so you had the say it's, it's geopolitics. Uh, a lot of the talking heads you were talking about at the, uh, when you were introducing the topic, you can't. I mean, you can't think about the Middle East without thinking about religion. It's politics. When the Shah. Was uh, was was running Iran back until 1979 when the mullahs came to power. You had the same tensions between him and the other states, and he was as secular as you could hope for. Um, but uh, so it's. Uh, but by the way, if you want to know who started the Iranian nuclear program, it would be a minor little country you might have heard of called the United States of America. Oh, well, I've made mistakes through my life too. Yes, I understand that. So whenever I hear about the nuclear transfers we're doing to Saudi Arabia, I always sort of in the back of my mind think, hmm, what could go wrong? Ambassador Faisal El-Istrabadi is on the line, former Iraq ambassador to the U.N. Obviously, uh, we haven't mentioned a a little country there uh, by the Dead Sea, Israel. Uh, They certainly have a voice in the region and have made it utterly clear that they're not going to wait till there's a mushroom cloud over Tel Aviv. They're going to strike Iran. Do you take them at their word? Um, not really for a technical reason. Um, they don't have the hardware to do what would be necessary to do to take out a, any, Iran, any restarted Iranian nuclear program. Um, they, there are, uh, they, they were able to take out the Iraqi program back in um, 1981 or 82, I can't remember now, because, uh, well, the Iranians learned from the lesson that Iraq, the mistakes Iraq made. Um, they would need to, first of all, they don't have the refueling uh, ability. They don't have the heavy bombers. They don't have the heavy bombs. Um, it's the, basically the only country that can do this is the United States, hmm. which is why Netanyahu has been trying to get uh, the U.S. to do it for, for, for years. He's been saying for more than a decade that Iran is a year away from a nuclear bomb, which is the odd thing about withdrawing from the deal, because the deal for all, all its flaws, and I agree with you, it's a, it was a very flawed deal. Um, George W. Bush walked away in 2004, I think it was, from a much stronger deal. Uh, he refused to sort of pull the trigger and make an agreement with the Iranians, and the Iranians just kept working. And by the time uh, Obama made his deal in 2015, the terms of the deal were much less in the favor of the United States than if the United States had made an agreement with Iran in 2004. But that's the that's the hand uh, we were uh, dealt. Um, I agree with strengthening the deal. I think there was a way to uh, try to make the deal a little more permanent or more permanent or permanent and to bring Iran within compliance with what's called the additional protocol of the nonproliferation treaty. But uh, a unilateral withdrawal without the support even of the European allies, much less Russia and China as permanent members of the Security Council, I don't think was the way to do it. So I've been reading a lot about uh, the leader of the Arab Emirates, uh, MS, what's MBZ, MBZ. And, and his and his role in the Middle East and now he and MBS with Saudi Arabia are working together to try to eliminate yeah. Iran. So uh, th- this is a really high stakes game, isn't it? It's an extremely high stakes game, and it's unfortunately one that the U.S. is getting drawn into. And I don't think there's a happy outcome for the United States to be involved in these sorts of regional uh, regional disputes. The crown prince of uh, the UAE is MBZ, Mohammed bin Zayed, um, and he is sort of rumored to be kind of the mentor of the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. They're both 
they both have the titles of crown prince and they both run their respective countries for a variety of reasons. Uh, and they are indeed taking on Iran. Keep in mind, uh, they have been trying to take on the Houthis of Yemen for, what is it, four or five years now? I can't remember exactly when the bombing started. I think it was 2014. It might have been 15. Um, and they haven't been able to take on a rebel group in a little country like Yemen, which uh, they regard that little rebel group as one of Iran's proxies. If they can't take them on effectively, I don't know how they're going to take Iran effectively. And one of my real fears, and keep in mind, I know you introduced me as an Iraqi ambassador, and I was, but I'm also a natural-born citizen of the United States. I'm a natural-born citizen of both countries. So as an American citizen born in the United States, I'm really concerned that, a, that, a, that a one or two regional powers in the Middle East have a real interest in trying to draw the United States into an armed conflict with Iran. And I see no, uh, no United States national security interest in getting into a shooting war with Iran, although improving the deal with Iran is certainly in the American interest if it can be done through diplomacy. Faisal al-Istrabadi, former Iraq ambassador to the UN, director of the Center for the Study of the Middle East at Indiana University. Sir, it's always enlightening. We sure appreciate the time. Thanks a million. It's always a pleasure. I enjoy it very much. Thank you. Okay. Follow-up, discussion, etc. to come. Stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. Get this, a new study found that drinking coffee can help burn fat. America was like, great, I'll have two mocha frappuccinos with whipped cream and sprinkles. Eh, you know, that was a pretty good, uh, pretty good little comment there in the guise of a joke. So, listen, I, I'm fully aware that uh, big-time Trump fans probably didn't dig the last segment very much. Because um, uh, you're so used to just ridiculous, unfair, biased, fictional criticism. Um, I actually, I, the gamble that he's doing with China right now on trade, I think is brilliant and utterly necessary, long overdue. I'm so glad he's doing it. Not 100% sure it's being done in exactly the right way, but it's it's complicated stuff. The uh, the gamble with Iran I don't like so well. I I you know I got old uh, Faisal Alistrabadi's point. I I believe that for a long time, but we'll have to see. History will tell. Uh, speaking of history, this is uh, this is an odd story. So you got this um the school in San Francisco. It's a high school. It's got a mural on the wall. It's a multi-panel mural, big long thing. Uh, Thirteen panels. It's uh entitled The Life of Washington, as in George. It's painted by one Victor Arnatoff in, I believe, 1939, something like that. Way back in the day, as the kids say. 36. 1936. And they're painting over it because, well, the AP story is terrible, as most AP stories are. Is this the AP? Or is this... um, not clear to me. Where did this come from? Oh, it's a TTWN Media Networks, whatever that is. 
Uh, unanimous vote by the city's uh, Board of Education. Uh, says paint over it. Um, due to its negative depiction of Native Americans. And the somewhat more substantive article here, and who is this? A local uh, public radio station. Says that uh, everybody was uncomfortable with its portrayal of uh, Native Americans and black folks. In short, there's one of the panels where uh, George appears to be buying a slave. And there's some other slaves working. And there's another panel where he's pointing west while looking at a map. And there's a bunch of armed guys in coonskin uh, hats stepping over a dead Indian. And other white guys negotiating with Indians. And the ironic part of this is is that it was painted as a like progressive Washington and white people have had sins. Look what they did. They had slaves. They shot Indians. And but now all the progressives want it covered up because they don't like the Indians shown as dead? Or the slaves being shown as slaves. It's odd. I would think they would like one one of those in each school. Howard Zinn would fund them. It seems odd to me, but they're painting over it. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, we've got, uh, we're all facing the fiscal cliff, and a pack of Democrats gearing up to take the stage. They're a pack? They come no, in they packs. In yes. packs the herds are a pride. Fight you. Armstrong and Getty. <laughs> So we've talked about a couple of things today that are really big, important topics that deal with Iran and how to handle the whole Middle East situation and the national debt, which you're about to mention. Right. Um, will either of those talk- topics get any time or much time tonight in the Democratic debate? Handouts to whom and how big? Who gets money? Who are you going to give money to? That's what the whole thing's going to be. Right. Uh, news now with Marshall Phillips. And, and what's wrong with Trump? A lot of that, yeah. As you mentioned, the national debt, my friends, look out for the fiscal cliff. The federal debt will reach unprecedented levels in the next three decades if Congress doesn't change the laws. That's you know, according... I, my only problem with that headline, Marshall, is yes. everybody who's hip to this knows it grows every single year. Yeah. And you're doing a good job of explaining it, but it's like by World War II cataclysm, the world almost died standards. Right. We're accumulating unpayable amounts of debt just because we're too undisciplined to limit our spending. Right. It's astonishing. Right. And what's happening is with entitlements and then the interest building every year, the interest uh, payments getting larger and larger is a part of what we have to pay out. I'm glad you brought that up. And that's almost unstoppable at this point. That's at mind-bogglingly, unimaginably low interest rates. Correct. That will never, ever be here again or certainly not be here forever. With that being true, yeah. the interest payment is becoming a more and more significant part of our, our national uh, budget. We might be the most depressing radio show in the history might be. of the medium. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I'm sorry, I know. But uh, I, uh, I'm about to say something else depressing. Yeah. So when this all comes crashing down, I mean, because... If something can't go on forever, it will stop. Right. I mean, at some point, you, you reach the, okay, the bills come due. There's going to be so many incredibly unfair. People are going to be screaming unfair. It will be unfair. People are going to have their savings taken from them by the government. Yep. All kinds of programs that help people huh. that really can't help themselves 
are not going to get any programs. Right. Which means on you, government, what savings? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, you win. <laughs> it's going to be ugly, and people are going to be screaming. Young people are going to be screaming, how could this happen? Right. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Well, your parents and grandparents were uh, selfish and not paying attention. All this information from the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office, and as uh, Joe was pointing out, as it stands right now, the national debt's the highest since right after World War II. When was the last time the government shrank in a significant way? Never. So that bloat is going to continue to get worse, and they're going to come for theirs, and people are going to say, uh-uh. And, well, that's a scenario that's been played out in history many times. Budget expert G. William Hoagland with the Bipartisan Policy Center warning, quote, CBO's long-term budget outlooks have painted a dark picture of the nation's physical path every year for the past decade. Right. Nevertheless, I'll shut up now. Nevertheless, policymakers continue to ignore the problem and the hard choices necessary to cope with the situation. And so does the media. So will the the uh, debate, the so-called debate moderators tonight. If you know, they if they tip their cap to it, it'll be very briefly. You know what's interesting because uh, we're plugged into a number of uh, different news sources, and I've been looking for some audio reports from some of these uh, groups. Yeah, nothing. Yeah. I haven't even. I, I will put in national uh, debt, and nothing is coming up today. Isn't nothing. that amazing? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's incredible. Uh, type in Kim Kardashian Japan and see how many stories right. you get about how Japan is angry about her new wardrobe yeah. idea. Uh, but nothing on the debt. Yeah, if you Google it, you'll get some text. But what I'm saying is from our audio sources, I can't find any reports. Well, Nobody's- and honestly, and this is why it's clear we're su- suicidal as a radio show, you look at the uh, the top concerns of Republican voters and, you know, overspending national debt, however you want to phrase it, deficits um, are declining year after year after year in people's priorities. So, anyway... Meanwhile, the first round of the uh, Why is Japan mad at Kim Kardashian. The first round of the Democratic presidential candidate debates for the 2020 election cycle gets started today, and President Trump is telling Fox News, "Oh, he's going to be monitoring it." Everyone said I'll be tweeting. I'll actually be in a plane, and it just seems very boring. But I'm going to watch it because I have to. That's part of my life. Twenty Democrats debate tonight and tomorrow night. Nobody has to watch it. No. Including you, no. sir. Uh, honest to God, you, unless you find this entertaining, you'd be perfectly fine skipping it. Even we'll if you're a Democrat. You highlights. Even if yeah. you're a Democratic yeah. voter, you, you'd be fine. Yeah, if anything happens, we'll tell you about it. We'll have the tape and you know, I, good, bad, or indifferent. I find it interesting that the uh, debates by the Democrats running for president will feature 60-second answers. And, Sean, you were saying 30-second follow-ups. Yeah, that's my understanding. Yeah, yeah. Nine, 90 seconds per question. As they move from, you know, subject to subject. It's weird that they continue to call it a debate, since it's not in any of the normal ways you'd define a debate. It's like calling your dog a raccoon all the time, or a wolf like that. (laughs) What's her name? What's your name again, sweetheart? Uh, Elizabeth Holmes. That's right, from Theranos, yeah. Yes, I have a pet wolf that I I take around. No, you don't. It it howls. No, it's dogs howl. You have a dog, you nut. But, yeah, we just keep calling it a debate, even though yeah. it's clearly just kind of a forum. I don't I'm going to finger stick my dog and prove it to you. <laughs> Dogs don't even have fingers, you idiot. It seems that when we're at work, most people find their willpower goes out the window as far as diets go. There's, mm, a, new mind study. Business. There's a new study from the American Heart Association that found over half of U.S. workers 
said they have trouble eating healthy on the job. I would love to follow those people when they're not on the job and see how <laughs> iron their willpower is. <laughs> wow. I don't There's think a lot of judging going on here. A lot of judging. <laughs> I don't think it's your job. Night. You, know, you got to blame something. It's my, it's my job. It's That's what the problem is. It's no, it's a, Debbie. She's got the thing of the, the M&M's right on her desk. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Uh, 90, 91% report they want to eat healthier uh, during lunch at work, but often they just don't have the time. Thirty-one or thirty-five percent, they eat a lot of unhealthy food at work because they're feeling stressed. The food available at the workplace, they said, had a strong influence on what they were consuming, and they said well, that well, was that, not healthy. Well, then, yeah, look, like, I'm, I'm talking. I don't know what makes you a sort of person where you you blame yourself first as opposed to others. I don't blame other people that I can't stop from eating donuts when they bring them in. Right. Now, it's less I likely do. I'm going to eat For a donut. Record, I do. It's less like I'm going to eat a donut if nobody brings any, but I will tell you I this. I still got to control yeah. this myself. And as far as, you know, they got crap in the vending machines, right. well, then get your organization together, you, you loser. <laughs> I'm talking to myself here. Bring your own food from home and don't rely on the work vending machine. For sustenance. You are a loser. I'm talking to you, too. <laughs> no, listen, I totally get, though, no, because, uh, listen, I'm a middle child. I bring people together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you you really don't like your job. You don't like some of the people around you. You're desperate for some sort of pleasure. A little something for you. I get it. You're stressed. You're annoyed. So you eat something just for pleasure. I understand. Just be honest with yourself. Why are you eating that? What are the alternatives? There, see, I'm here to help. We should bring in healthy food for like a week. Maybe cater it with somebody. Well, how about the and damn just... convenience store we got in our lunchroom that's like 15 kinds of cookies and 27 kinds <laughs> yes. of candy? Yes. But it, are there eight-year-olds who don't work <laughs> who work here that I just never see? I don't know who buys the candy. Uh, I is there a great gummy grade, bears? Is there a third-grade class somewhere in this <laughs> office complex? I'm not. I've never noticed. It's hard to imagine anybody here ever buying the gummies. I just I don't know what you're doing if you're buying gummy bears, but. Um, if we brought in healthy food every day, how much of it would get eaten? It's like celery and carrots and stuff like that. How much would get eaten? Only if there was ranch dressing. I was going to say, yeah, if there's dressing around, sure. That's ranch. Your, that's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Ooh, a vegetable. Let me drown it in peppered buttermilk. That'll be good. <laughs> hey, hey, Jack is a rancher. Right. You're insulting his exactly. people. Though I've never had ranch dressing, what? which is interesting. What? This is not right. Isn't isn't that what they call salad frosting now? Salad frosting, that's yeah. right. To, to try to get kids to eat it. Right. Oh, man, I like ranch dressing. <laughs> You've you got to have it on pizza crusts. So good. I do Ooh. not have to have so it on pizza crusts. Oh, oh. Yeah, I tell you what, you're going to be around your deathbed. You're going to be thinking, why? Why didn't I dip my bones in a little, little ranch dressing like Joe suggested? Oh, You'll fantastic. hate yourself for that. Uh, so people got these video cameras with their doorbell used to be these ring video things. And yeah, they're, I've they're, been wanting to get one. They're turning up some strange things. Maybe more strange things were going on in front of our houses than we realized before these videos. We've got a pretty good example of all. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, it's a pretty awful example. Oh, really? It's disgusting. Oh, no. It's disgusting. It's not violent, but it's disgusting. Okay, so it's not disturbing, or it is a little it's disturbing? disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's well. gross. It's not, it's not, uh... Okay, it won't keep me up at night. No. Well, I, won't, I, I, won't, I won't cry. Or will No, I? you won't cry. But I may be up at night. <laughs> you might. <laughs> Holy cow, what is this? Say <laughs> tuned. Armstrong and Getty.
What is this? My doorbell by the White Stripes. Yeah, it's, it's, Jack White. It's clearly Jack White, but uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't know he had a doorbell song. You'll be interested in this as a guitar player. He plays guitars that have bad action or can't be tuned right and stuff like that on purpose for the challenge. He really? says it brings out more of his ability to play. <sighs> That's interesting. Isn't that interesting? Hmm. I'm, I'm certainly not at that level. Then all the help I can why get. I've not been hailed as a genius, and he has. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. So uh, debates tonight. There's really not much much to say about it today, unless you're super into the strategy like I am. I was just reading a, one pundit's view that um, the the lower tiers have got to say something strong oh. or hilarious yes. or whatever to break Outrageous. out of, or, drop an f bomb or break out of the pack or it's just it's probably over for them because the next qualifying debates there's a higher threshold and you got to get some fire going or you just won't be in it you'll be out of it you will be out of the race unless you set some sort of fire tonight underneath your 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 support right and so the you know come off as adult and smart just ain't going to do it Boy, unless you're really, really good at that, I mean, but that's a gamble. Not gambling is the biggest gamble. Yeah. Anyway, so... That the, sounds like that was a intentionally jivey. And, it really wasn't. And I'm the, sorry. And that could be the only thing that makes it interesting tonight, because I expect it to be a snooze fest, and it only won't be if you have people who realize, I got to really go for it here, Yeah. or, or I'm done. Well, the reason it'll be very difficult for me to watch is, A, it will be dull, a bunch of mediocrities tossing around, you know, useless verbiage, um, but also because I think so many of the policies being advocated are just awful, awful for the country, awful for humanity. So, it, oh, my God, it's it's seriously, I would, if there were paint drying, I would watch that because it, it would just, it would merely be dull. Well, I got more on that later. Uh, back to the doorbell thing. The reason we brought that up is these doorbell cams are starting to um, become more and more popular and people are catching weird things. There was a video a week or so ago of what looked like Dobby from the Harry Potter series. <laughs> right. The little house elf running yes. around in somebody's driveway got yes. caught by one of those doorbell cameras, and nobody's nailed down yet what the heck that thing was. It was a house elf. <laughs> J.K. Uh, Rowling nailed it down. And so, Rowling. and so people are finding out why there's way more animals or people testing to see if my car door is unlocked yeah. or whatever. Porch pirates, obviously. Than, than I realized was going on in the middle of the night. Yeah. And then some of these are like this. Now, if you're eating breakfast, you might not want to hear this one. Oh, boy. This is from a uh, TV newscast. Wilton Thomas is trying to be understanding. I know when it comes on for you to go, you have to go. But you can imagine his frustration when he saw some dude dropping a deuce on his driveway. He could have drove himself right towards the coconut tree Mm -hmm. and do what he want to do there. That would be no problem. But in my driveway... Just open his door and just start to pull his shirt all the way over and then stoop down. And that was it. Thomas says when he got home, it was too late to take care of it right away. So he waited until Sunday morning to take on the turd. I went in the hot sun, scrape it up, pour it into a bag, and then I pour bleach, wash the whole thing off. He just wants an apology from the person responsible. Knock and said, man, you know what? I had an emergency. I had nowhere to go. And this is where I had was to do what I have to do. 
You know, that's I, very... I wouldn't hold your breath waiting for that apology. I don't, <laughs> I don't see that coming. That's very charitable to recognize, you know, things happen. I mean, where just you got a medical, you're sick, whatever, you got no choice. Mm. I don't know, you have to be in somebody's driveway. No, he was the, the coconut tree he was referencing was like six feet away. He's like, <laughs> you couldn't go to the to the patch of grass, fertilize That'd be it. That'd better. Eh, it's, it's harder to... Well, all right. So, you know, I had my groovy hip customization done, and so I, I need to... I have to stretch a lot and doing physical therapy and stuff, I was. And I play golf a lot. I love golf. These are things you need to know about me. Best Single best warm-up that there is for me to play golf is Saturday mornings when I have to pick up Baxter's poop out of the yard. Hmm. Bending all the way down to the ground to pick up poop over and over again is by far the best warm-up. And so my wife, who truly loves me and I love her, she has agreed has started to... started going oh, in the backyard. No, no. To help you no, out. No, well, thank you for that mental image. Um... She has graciously and generously granted me the right to pick up the poop every week. Yeah. You, you could bend over, do those bending over motions without. I don't get around to it. Right. I understand that. I completely understand. Yeah. That. Yeah. It's kind of imposed discipline. Yeah. I try to look at that with lots of tasks at a home where instead of oh, I have to get up and go do this, I think this is making me get some more exercise. Yeah. And I need more exercise. So any, you know, my kids forgot this. I got to go eat it or whatever is I look at it as an opportunity for exercise. And, uh, so is dog poo really dog poo, Jack, or but, is it a gift? Back, back to this hard-hitting news story. There's a, the one thing that stood out to me, or there's a couple <laughs> things that stood out to me, but one in particular. In the video, the driver, uh, I'm quoting this homeowner, in the video, the driver opened the door, took off his shirt, and stooped down to relieve himself. Took off his shirt. All the way off. Does everybody do that? Uh, Not me. To, to finish, the that was um, used in what paper would normally be used as. Oh, Lord. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my. Oh, boy. Uh Oh, golly. I worked with a guy in management and banking, um, like at the high level of the corporate banking. But he he would take his shirt completely off if he had to use the bathroom at work, number two. Was he wearing an undershirt? Shirt and tie. He would take off and hang on the little thing. He (sighs) said it just bothered him to... He was worried about the tail of his shirt dipping in the toilet or something. (laughs) And he would would take his shirt and tie off. Wow. Isn't that odd? That's quirky. Mm. Anyway, so uh, uh, I I don't have one of these um, uh, video camera things. I've been so, thinking about getting one. I just I love the idea that if you're not home and somebody's ooching around your your front porch, you get the uh, the alert. They're creeping or porch pirating. Yar! I believe that to be a box from Amazon. Yar! Anyway, uh, you see them and you it can... is my booty. <laughs> Tis me booty. Uh, you can you can say, hey, get the hell away from my front door. I'm inside with a gun. Do it. No, wait, two guns. I'm going to come out and blast you. Then they they ooch away. We really love the ads on TV where the guy shows up to that camera with the uh, b- breaks the flag stick off and he says, I'm, I'm, I'm here to rob your car. What? 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 And he goes up and smashes the window out of the car and drives off. Yeah. Those are popular ads. Um, uh, I don't have the camera, but so how much does it store? Like weeks of it? Well, I don't know. It gives you alerts, but yeah, I think it, once it's triggered, it, it records. But I, I, I just barely know anything yeah. about it. Several of my buddies have them. Text me now. <laughs> the the sort of guy who's going to. Hmm, there were a number of terms in that news story. I'm not comfortable no, throwing no, around. No, I'm not either. I, I did. I, it was I, frank. It was very frank. I expected kind of a higher level of conversation out of a of a local TV newscast. 
<laughs> there's that. What was that? The the Fox station or what? I mean, that was Just, uh, yeah. Some of that verbiage is not what I would have used. The, the T word. Do we no, need the no, T word? No. Uh, among polite company, never, like ourselves, never uh, need to use that. It really ruffles my feathers. Um, anyway, I think the the sort of person who would indeed um, <laughs> drop not an ace but a deuce uh, in your driveway is not the sort to write a, a note of apology. So I, I'm afraid his dearest homeowner, <laughs> my dearest friend, when he saw some dude dropping a deuce on his driveway. Oh boy! That's... To that ash chief history. Oh, Miss. Senator McCain, sir, there's no need to dwell on this story. I think we should just move along as quickly as possible. Will you watch the debate tonight, the whole two hours, so mm. you can comment? Because you, you probably should. So you can, so, <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, wow. Wait a minute So here. you can comment on it. No, I, I have a great excuse. My, uh, my bride, my beloved uh, sweetheart, is getting home from a week and a half away. And I have to go pick her up uh, at the uh, And so you say airport. to her, I realize you haven't been home for right. 10 days, but I've got to watch the first Democratic debate that is six months before the voting even begins. Mm. And includes people who I haven't heard of and I'm in the business. We're a mere 496 days till the 2020 election, and Whoa. it's really imperative that I watch all two hours. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, though. It's like when, you know, when I have a one at the beginning of my weight. That's exciting. If I get below 200 pounds, we're now less than 500 days away. And by the way, there's another debate tomorrow night. What? Armstrong and Getty.